0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Welcome. Welcome to the gathering, or as we like to call it, Children's Pageant Central. Morning, everybody. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here, and we welcome you to First United Methodist Church and to the gathering. Those of you who are worshiping online, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for letting us know that you've been here today. We appreciate that so much. Friends in the sanctuary, can you feel the energy this morning? Yes. And we would love to know that you've been here, so please do find the attendance pads, fill those out, share them with others, uh, share them with human beings, with animals, with shepherds, wise people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh throughout the service, all that you need, you will find on the screens. Words to our songs, uh, responses, etc. And that will be the case on your device at home. Now, we want you to know that tonight at 6 p.m. is going to be an important worship service. It's called the Service of Remembrance. It happens in our chapel, and it's to bring people together who have lost loved ones during this past year and want to give thanks for their lives during this holiday season. So we invite you to that 6 p.m. tonight. Now before you leave this morning, we want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, we encourage you to bless our first responders. And you can do that by finding one of these flat, at the moment, flat boxes. You can find them right across from the Welcome Center or on the second floor in the entrance to the Children's Wing. If you take that home, fill it with baked goods and all kinds of treasures, bring it back by December 23rd, they will be taken to first responders from our church to thank them for all that they do. And before you leave today... If you haven't taken pictures yet, please do so. With our theme during Advent of the Angels of Christmas, we have angels wings. They are there are some beautiful ones right in front of the Mon tree which is in Wesley Hall. Great for photo ops. And also, in that spot up on the second floor by the children's wing, there are angel wings up there as well. So it's a great time to take pictures, to celebrate being together, and we celebrate all of you. And so, it's time to stand up so that we can begin with the call to worship. May the joy of the Advent season, with its message of mighty peace, be with you all and also with you. Let us worship and celebrate the season of Advent. Glory to God. Amen.
1: I love seeing all your smiling faces, and it's this is uh, what I like to call managed chaos Sunday, uh, but it is the, one of the best Sundays, and we're so glad that you're here with us. Kids, we cannot wait for the Christmas pageant this morning. We're so excited. Uh, But first, we're gonna sing some Christmas songs. This is a Christmas medley song. Uh, It's called, It's Christmas, and we hope you sing along with us, here we go.
2: The little Lord Jesus, lay down his sweet head.
1: Friends, I am Mr. Mark. I get to be the children's minister here. You've heard it called a lot of things already. Pageant, Insanity Sunday, Manage Chaos. I'm the children's minister. In children's, we call it Sunday. This is what we, right? This is what we do. Uh, During the pageant, there's going to be some narration. And then after the narration, in between, there will be some Christmas carols, some very familiar Christmas carols. The words will be up on the screens on either side. That's when our kids are going to get into place, playing the different parts. And they're going to really know to get in their place if we sing very strongly. So we give them a lot of encouragement through our music. And then after the pageant, we'll have a moment for a photo op when everybody is in place. Sound good? Let's do it. In those days, the emperor made a decree that everyone in the empire should be counted. This meant that everyone had to go to their hometowns to register. Joseph had to go to his hometown, the city of David called Bethlehem. Joseph was engaged to Mary, who was expecting a baby. When Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, they found that there was no room for them in the inn. Mary and Joseph had to stay in a stable And this is where the baby was born. Mary wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. There were shepherds in the nearby fields, keeping watch over their sheep by night. An angel appeared to them and said, Be not afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there were even more angels, all praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to those on earth. angels left, the shepherds said, the Lord has seen fit to share this news with us. Let us go to Bethlehem to see what has taken place. So the shepherds and their sheep hurried all the way to Bethlehem. There they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby. After a time, there came wise people from the east. They were following a star in search of a savior that the prophets had predicted. When the wise people saw that the star had stopped, they were overcome with joy. When they saw the child there with Mary, the wise people knelt, and there they laid before him gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and gold." All those years ago, there was no room for this child. The Savior of the world, the King of kings, was born in a stable. Today, Lord Jesus, we make room for you. We make room for you in our lives. Today, we make room for you in our hearts. Grown-ups, for all these amazing young people who are serving their church in such a beautiful way, can we give them a big thank you? <laughs> Not that you haven't been taking pictures already, but go ahead and snap a couple more. We won't move them just yet. So, yeah, there you go. Kids, you did well. You did it. And now what we're going to do is we're going to whisk your beautiful children up to the second floor. We're gonna make sure their costumes are where they need to be for the 11 o'clock, and then we will get them. We, we need all the parents that, that, we can, that can come that, that, to help us get them up there and checked in, but then they'll be, we'll get them to their rooms after that for the rest of the time. And you can pick them up after, okay? One more big round of applause for our amazing kiddos. All right, let's have have a good engineer. All right, everybody follow the leader. Michelle, you're a good leader, Trevor's a good leader.
3: watch and wait for Christ's coming. Light candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God with prayer. We light the first candle and hope. We light the second candle and peace. Let us pray. Dear God, as we journey down this Advent road, grant us the courage to make peace. Peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our communities, amen. Good morning. Wasn't that fun today to see all of our children? And it's just a glorious day. And we come now to our time of worship that we're just gonna take a minute and pause and just uh, pray, just spend some time reflecting on all the blessings that we have and all that God has given us. And so during the time of prayer, there's a time for you to lift up people that are on your hearts. And so I'm gonna say, Lord in your mercy, No, I'm going to say, hear our prayers. I get that messed up every single week. How many times have I done this? So anyway, I just want us to stop and just settle ourselves because I know some of us as parents, we were messing with children. And so this is our time. So let's go to the Lord and pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have ordained every time as a time of preparation for the coming of Christ. Yet we need the challenge of Advent to prepare for his birth. Guide us in this Christmas season to slow down and truly see the beauty of the season. And forgive us as so often we turn Christmas into a time of stress rather than a time of reflection. We become frazzled, but you never do. So help us to see the glory that you've given us. And all these things, let us become mindful of how you are in our hearts, and everything we do should be focused toward the manger. So Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. So Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, your grace, your love, New lives, new hopes, new opportunities, and new dreams. For this, O God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Everything that you've created, you make free. And over and over again, our freedom is used for the purpose of transgressions and alienation from you. And yet, when we're at our worst, you never abandon us but you join us, you come alongside us to restore us to relationship. With you forever, O God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Now we pray for your spirit to descend upon us so that we might see and listen with our hearts instead of with our eyes and ears. Then we will truly experience the peace that you give this world during this glorious season. For this constant presence, O God, in our lives, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. And today I lift up some of your children Brooklyn, Meredith, Wayne, Jean. Lord, in your mercy. I invite you now to lift up those that are on your heart, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, you have heard our prayers, and we give you thanks for your loving arms around us. Open our hearts to hear you as we open our arms to the Christ child. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen.
4: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phyllis. Hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. Is it too early to start saying Merry Christmas? It's a, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm thankful that you are joining us for worship in person, online, however you're here. I'm thankful to have you with us today. So this is the time in the service where we respond to what God has done for us and the good news of the gospel by giving sacrificially and generously to support the ministries and the work of the church. And if you're newer to our congregation, you might not realize that our church has a unique blessing. Over 50 years ago, members of our community, members of our congregation established a foundation, an endowment to help take care of long-term needs at the church and people have continued to give to that endowment and bequeath to it and it's been invested and so every year a disbursement comes from that endowment that helps this church pay for overhead that other churches have to fundraise for things like maintenance of the building and utilities and things along those lines it's an incredible blessing and the reason I bring that up is so that you know when you give into the offering plate when you go online and you make your gift 100% of those dollars go to the offering operating budget of the church. It goes to the ministries of the church. We don't have to fundraise for those overhead costs. It can all go to ministry. It's an incredible blessing, and as you can tell, it takes a lot to be in ministry here at the church. We're impacting a whole bunch of people. We had to have 40 new sets of angel wings this year. Y'all, you have to go to heaven to get those. It's hard. It's really tough, and I'm just so thankful. And this congregation continues to be so supportive and generous to the church. But if you're also not familiar, this church, like every church, receives the vast majority of its operating budget in the month of December. So this month, we're on track, and yet being on track still means we have $940,000 to raise between now and the end of the year. And it happens over and over again. It happens through big, exceptional gifts. It happens through smaller, faithful gifts. If you ask me, Lance, Are you nervous about reaching the budget? Look at my beard. Look at how gray I am. I'm 24 years old and this is how this is how gray I am. So yes, of course, I worry every year. And yes, of course, miracles break out over and over again. So I just want to thank you. I just want to acknowledge how faithful you've been all year. And I want you to faithfully consider going above and beyond to fill the budget for this year, to put us on a great path for next year, and to keep making sure that people like all of those kids and the families they represent have a home here in our community, being shaped into disciples of Christ with the good news of God's grace. So I'm going to invite our uh, ushers to come forward. They're going to pass the basket. Of course, you can give into the basket. You can also give online with your mobile device now or anytime by going to fumcfw.org slash give now. Now, would you please join me as we pray a blessing over these gifts. Great and loving God, please bless these gifts and those that give them. Please use them for the strengthening of the body of Christ, your church, and the coming of your kingdom. And it's in Christ's name that we trust and that we pray and say, amen.
5: Good morning, I'm Sid Johnston, Executive Director of your foundation here at the church. We're reading this morning from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 20. Now hear the word of our Lord. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all of God. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God during his section's turiduity, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and the power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute unable to speak until the day these things occur. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God.
4: Amen. Thank you, Sid. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say a word of thanks to everyone who's been a part of the service today, all the parents who got here extra early to make sure all the angels and sheep were ready. Thanks for Children's Ministry. Thanks to Youth Ministry. Thanks to our tech team for connecting us online and in person. Again, my name is Lance, I'm the senior pastor of the church. I love today so much. I love Children's, uh, the Children's Pageant Sunday, because That's what people want, right? It's like, if you go see Leonard Skinner, you want to hear Freebird, right? Like, give them what they want. You're you're going to church in December. Give them the children's pageant. I just love it. I just love today. I'm feeling really good today. I'm feeling like I'm in exactly the right place and doing exactly the right thing. Woke up this morning. always wake up really early on Sundays before church and have some quiet time before the day gets going. And are any of you having that quiet time in the morning right now? But the difference is there's a Christmas tree now. Oh, come on. It's so good. It feels so right. It feels so right to be here in the middle of church with little angel wings, feathers still on the ground. There's, this is the only Sunday I have to worry about knocking Jesus onto the floor. So, i'm gonna do my best but it just feels so right the lights the garlands everything It just feels exactly right it feels like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing we're doing what we're supposed to be doing we're connected with the real meaning of what's actually going on it just feels so right and this is the holiday season right this is the most important time of the year it's the best time of the year it just is it just is and you know it is because if you ask any kid any kid, what is your favorite time of the year? What do they say? Christmas. Yes, it's Christmas. No kid goes, you know what, I just really enjoy the fall when the leaves start to turn. <laughs> I think that's just so great, just really enjoy that. No, it's Christmas. It's the best time of the year and it really is. And more than any time of the year, it is the year most laden with meaning and purpose. It just is and and this is true and we all know this and y'all i'm speaking into a mirror all right i'm not judging you i'm with you and it's the easiest time of the year to kind of miss it right for you you know the purpose and you know what it's all about you know what you really should be focused on and yet it's the easiest time of the year for all of us me included to kind of miss it right and so often preachers focus on how the missing it can be really about the Christmas season and how it can become more commercial and things like that. But do y'all realize the missing it actually goes all the way back and truly begins on Thanksgiving? It really does. You may not realize, but people start to really miss it when the holiday season begins in Thanksgiving. Perfect example. What is the highlight of Thanksgiving? What's the whole purpose of Thanksgiving, right? It's the food. It's the spread and yet some people miss it and they ruin it by getting up at like five in the morning and jogging (laughs) they go for a run you're missing it you can do that all year long today is not the day for that today is the day for the thanksgiving day parade and the dog show and the food right That's what the morning should be about. There's nothing else. Parade, dog show, food. That's it. No jogging, right? They're missing it. And what's the whole point of Thanksgiving? To sit around and to give. To give thanks and gratitude for what we have and the blessings we've received and it's good. And then we wake up the next morning at like four and we fixate on everything we don't have. And what we need, and either, and you can be like, Oh, I don't do that. You're on your phone, you're shopping like crazy. You are lighting Amazon up on Black Friday. You are this is church. Tell the truth. We miss it, right? It's all about giving thanks for what we have, and then we immediately turn it around into the galloping, greedy gimmies. Thanksgiving is about being together with your family or your loved ones, your family of choice, or your neighbors. So many of you hosted amazing neighborhood parties this year, and just celebrating and being together, and speaking words of unequivocal kindness no matter what, and never disagreeing with each other about anything no matter what, (laughs) right? And enjoying perfect harmony and unity between all people at all times no matter what. Does that sound like your Thanksgiving? (laughs) Thanksgiving. How is it that we take the day that is unequivocally about being together with loved ones and we turn it into the Super Bowl of arguing? How is that the case? And I have to tell you, it's particularly the case in my family, and not my entire family. It's just between me and my dad. And dad, I know you're watching. You're going to want to mute this for like two minutes. <laughs> My dad and I see the world exactly the same way. We're so close, we love each other so much, and we share that love by arguing. And the biggest issue we have is that I know everything about everything. (laughs) And he just doesn't realize that yet. And I've been telling him since I was like 16, and he just doesn't get it. How do we take the most wonderful time of the year the most special time of the year and we miss it. We miss it. It's not because we're bad, right? It's not because uh, we're trying. It's just because we're human. It's who we are. And God knows we're human. God knows what we are like. God knows the pitfalls into which we fall. And so God knows where God is trying to reach us, right? God knows all of this about us. And so when God's trying to reach us, God knows what God needs to do. Does that make sense? So We're in the season of Advent right now. If you've never really been connected to a liturgical church, a church that uses the passing of the year to tell the story of Christ, this is technically the beginning of the year. Last Sunday was the first Sunday in the church's calendar. It's kind of the beginning of the church year. And the beginning of the church year starts with a season called Advent. And it's all about anticipation and preparation for the good news of Jesus. It's about reflecting on what a world absent of the presence of Christ might look like, the good news it would not have in it and then really reflecting and celebrating on what it means when the Christ child is born and given to us on Christmas Day. So that's what this season is all about, and thematically we're going to be looking at this season through these four different angelic visions and experiences and occurrences that happen as the story is told. We're going to be using those as a framework for reflecting on the Christmas season over the course of this Advent. I want to talk real briefly about angels. I'm going to get more into kind of angelic stuff over the course of Uh, this uh, sermon series, but I don't want to use it all up on just the first sermon. But angels in the Bible are complicated, right? It's not always as simple as a beautiful-looking human. Um, It can be, but it can also be something different. Uh, Some visions of angels in Scripture are actually really scary. They can be really not very human-looking at all. Um, We were driving to the car this morning. My, My oldest, my fifth grader, wanted to come early with me to church, and so we were driving, And I said, what would you do if all of a sudden you were just in the middle of a quiet place and an angel just appeared? What would your response be? And he said, well, I guess it 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 depended on what form it took. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, how many eyes does it have? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. And he said, I said, two? And he goes, I would stick around for two (laughs) anymore and I'm leaving. And I was like, I don't want to tell you, but that's like the most biblically literate thing I've ever heard you say. (laughs) So there's a lot going on when it happens to be with angels. But what I need you to do, and this is going to be key throughout this, is angels communicate two things to us. Right. Not just in scripture, but to us in our life of faith today. Angels communicate, one, that there is more going on to God's creation than you can see and touch and feel and know with what's right in front of you. That's it. That's a theme. When God's communicating to God's creation through angels, one of the things that it's communicating is there is more going on in God's creation than what you can just taste, touch, feel, etc. cetera. Hear and know, there is more going on than that. And that's what part of the message that angels are bringing. There's more going on than you realize. And the second is that God has a message, that God has a message, God is communicating something and you need to not miss it. This is so important, this is so pivotal, this is so key, this is so relevant, this is so actionable that it cannot be missed. And so a messenger is going to be given to make sure that the point lands. Does that make sense? So one, there's more going on than you can realize just by what you can see and touch and hear and taste and know and feel. And then two, there is a message that God is delivering that is so important it can't be missed. One of the key things that's true is that it's not just important for the people who are in the story in which the the angelic vision is taking place, but also for the people who are going to hear about it later, us. So I want to talk a little bit about the angelic visitation that happens in this scripture reading to give you an understanding of how that works. So uh, just really quickly, you might have had a, uh, you know, it might have gone by quickly. You could have missed some of the point, but this is not the announcement of the birth of jesus given to mary that's going to be a later scripture reading so this is actually a different announcement by the same angel gabriel that's given to somebody else a woman uh, about a woman named elizabeth but it's actually given first to her husband zechariah so the announcement is about the birth of a child who will become jesus's cousin john the baptizer remember we call him john the baptizer not john the baptist because john the baptist just sounds like a guy from waco so we call him john the baptizer That's an old joke. That's an old joke. And I'm going to keep doing it until you stop laughing. So John the baptizer, (laughs) the baby liked it. (laughs) The baby, you're going to love my whole Baylor joke series. I mean, it's going to kill. So John the baptizer is going to be a prophet. He's gonna be the fulfillment of the prophetic tradition for the nation of Israel. And he's gonna pave the way of announcing what God is gonna be doing next in his cousin, Jesus. It's an incredibly important work. And it needs to be announced and communicated in a special way. And this is what happens. And there's some context in here you might not know. So I want to help you understand because it makes you get why it's so important and what God is trying to communicate to later audiences, to us. So Zechariah is a Jewish man. He has a Jewish wife, Elizabeth. And they're both upright and they pray and they observe their responsibilities. They are holy people doing the best they can to live in deep covenant relationship with the God of Israel, their God. Zechariah is part of a priestly clan. It's a community called Abijah. He's a part of the clan of Abijah. And so one of his responsibilities would be to occasionally go to Jerusalem when his portion of the clan was on duty to go and serve these priestly responsibilities. The best example I can think of is like being in the reserves, right? And so you have your normal life, but then you get called up as a reservist to go serve your responsibilities over here. And that's exactly what his life is like. He and Elizabeth live somewhere else in the community community. And then his team, his portion of the clan gets called up to go and serve. And so when that happens, he goes into Jerusalem and he's one of the people that presides over the systems of sacrificial offerings that happen there at the temple in Jerusalem. So when you hear about all the kind of offerings that people make at the temple, well, he's one of the priests that does that when he's on duty. But there's a special job. There's a special job that happens when your portion is on duty, and that's actually going into the temple and into the Holy of Holies, going into this sacred and special place where almost no one is ever able to go, but you are able to go as someone who's won the lottery. Literally, there's been a drawing. You've won the lottery from all the different priests that are in your clan. You can only do it once. You can never do it twice. You can only do it once, and you're the one who goes in and says the prayers and lights the lights the incense in the holy of holies, the most sacred place. You can do it one time. And his number's been drawn. It's his turn. It's his chance. He'll never do this again in his life. And so he goes into that place. And what I'm sure he's feeling is the most sacred and holy and overwhelming and special moment in his entire life. And there, then that's when God shows up with God's message through Gabriel for him. One of the things that we hear in the scripture is that Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, haven't been able to have a child. And it's something that's breaking their heart. They've been praying for it over and over again for their lives. It's just as difficult then as it is for people today. It can be really tough if that's the desire of your heart and that's not what's happening And they've prayed for it over and over and over again in their lives. I imagine at this point, because he's older, that this is something he's not praying for as regularly anymore. So I don't know what prayer he has on his mind. I don't know what he's feeling, but I'm sure he's feeling sacred and overwhelmed. And it's there he has a visitation. It's there that an angel comes. And by showing up, the angel communicates there's more going on here than you expected because this doesn't happen every time a priest goes in to make this offering there at the most sacred and holy place. But it happens to him and it happens right then. The angel's communicating there is more going on here than you can see. And second, the angel has a message for him, and it's so key, and it's so important that it can't be missed. Your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. All of those prayers that you prayed for decades, that you thought went unanswered, those prayers have been heard, and you will have a child. This is a faithful man of the scriptures. He knows them forward and backward. There's a good chance because of the the ways of his time that he has a majority of the scriptures memorized. So he knows that this happens. He knows that this happens. He knows that this happened to Abram and Sarai. He knows that this happened to Isaac and to Rebekah. He knows that this happened to Elkanah and to Hannah. He knows that God does this. He should know That this is the kind of thing that God does for God's people. And his response is prove it. Prove it. He's at the most holy place there is in all of the world and the most holy time that he could hope to experience. And he has a visitation from Gabriel, someone he knows because Gabriel was active in the book of Daniel so he would have absolutely have known who Gabriel is and what Gabriel represents and who Gabriel speaks for and his response is that is such good news, that is so incredible, that is exactly the kind of thing I've been hoping for to the point that I I can't believe it. I just can't receive that good of news. Um, I love how he says, uh, "This is how could this be true?" Because I am old, and Gabriel's response is, "Well, I am Gabriel. <laughs> you are old. I am Gabriel." We don't have a, uh, an angel org chart in the Bible, unfortunately, uh, but we do know from scripture and from tradition that Gabriel's as high as it gets. And this is what Gabriel does. And Gabriel says, I communicate on behalf of God. That's, that's who I am, that's what I do. And because of his non belief, he's actually muted, he's unable to speak. He's mute for the entire pregnancy. If you go on to read later on in the scripture, he's mute for the entire pregnancy. And when they're trying to name the child, uh, Zechariah actually writes down his name will be John. And at that point, he's able to speak again. It's his affirmation of what God has done that he's able to restore his speech. And it's so funny. I used to think of that as as punishment, right? It's like you didn't believe, and so you're punished. And that may have been the case, right? That may have been the case. How I read that today, though, is the most incredibly powerful and resonant and good thing beyond what he could ever hope for has happened to him. And he is given the opportunity to shut his mouth and to just sit with it and to let it sink in. To not explain it away, to not answer questions, to just sit there and hold that truth in his heart. I used to think about the fact that he speaks up and just see that as punishment, and now, as a person who speaks too much, I see that as one of the most powerful things that could possibly happen for his life of faith. God has announced some incredible good news and he's not allowed to just argue it or explain it away or, you know, or run over it so many, so many, so many times with somebody else that he works it down to such meaningless details that it no longer matters. He has to just sit with it and let it sink in. Something that he never expected, something that he didn't see coming, but he could have. His rejection of this work of God is actually going to foreshadow other people's rejection to what God is doing throughout the course of the story. We'll, we'll see both that rejection, we'll also see what it is to accept and to respond to what it is that God is doing in a later scripture reading today. But I'm going to leave you with this. God is present and at work. Your God is present and at work. And there is more going on in God's creation than just what you can see or touch or hear or feel with your senses. There is more going on. And the thing that you need to know is, is that God's good news is better than any good news you could hope for. God's good news of love and forgiveness and redemption and restoration and reconciliation and hope and provision is better than any good news you could hope for on your own. And what I invite you to do today is to shut your mouth and just let it sit with you. Let's pray. Great and loving God, great are you and greatly to be praised. Lord, if we were to see Gabriel, we might argue, we might tremble, we might retreat into disbelief. So instead, today, God, let us just hear his words and sit with it. Lord, your angels, show us there is more going on in your creation than we can taste, touch, see, hear, feel, and know, and that you have a message for us. We hear your message that you are at work and that your goodness is greater than what we can imagine. So Lord, let us sit and receive it, and as your church, pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I invite those who will be assisting with the service of communion forward, also those who will be helping bring the communion elements up to the serving trays in the front, I want to remind you that the story of Jesus, of course, does not end with birth in a manger. That even at that moment, Jesus' story was leading towards a cross. It was leading towards sacrifice, it was leading towards the giving of oneself, it was leading toward the kind of love that will go to the ends of the earth and beyond the grave to prove that all people are worthy of God's grace. So that we might know it, so that we might be able to shut our mouths and just hear it. On the day he was to give himself up for us, Jesus had dinner with his disciples, his followers, the people who would proclaim his message he took bread, he broke it, he said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it and passed it, and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, as we eat and drink of this bread and this cup, we do so in remembrance of the Christ Christ, who came to us on Christmas, who died for us on Good Friday, who was resurrected on Easter Sunday, and who promises the good news that God has for you is bigger than you could ever imagine. We receive communion by starting in the rear of the room. The ushers will release you and you'll come forward down the center aisles with your hands held open like this, a piece of bread or a piece of gluten-free, whatever you call gluten-free bread, will be taken and placed in your hands. You'll then go to the next station, a piece of a cup of non-alcoholic grape juice will be there for you. We always use non-alcoholic juice so that we are fully inclusive of people who hold their sobriety very closely. As you then head up the outside aisles, there'll be a trash receptacle for your now empty cup. This is not the gatherings table or the First United Methodist Church's table. This is Christ's table and like his love, like his grace, like his power, like his presence, it is for every single person here today. Every age, every background, understanding, it is for you. The table is set. The meal is ready. There are stations in the balcony and at the front. Come forward and be fed. Amen. A couple quick words of business before we close up today. Just a reminder that we will be having the children's pageant again at the 11 o'clock service. So thanks to all the families who are helping make that possible. One quick uh, red pin correction to what Uncle Mike said at the beginning of the service and the announcements today. The service of remembrance tonight at 6 o'clock, he said people for people who have lost family in the last year. That's actually all saints at the beginning of the month. The service of remembrance tonight is for anybody for whom the Christmas season and the holiday season is actually a season that has a lot of grief grief and loss and difficulty in it. And we have this service in the chapel so that you know you're not alone, so that you can be with other people who are experiencing the same thing, and you can have a service of healing and peace in the midst of all that. So if, you, if that's not you, but you know for someone else, please make sure they know about it tonight at six o'clock. Finally, the Christian Men's Breakfast, our once-a-month gathering, the first Wednesday of every month, is this Wednesday from 7 to 8 a.m. at Martin House Brewing over on the east side of Fort Worth. More information about that on our website. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise and shine upon you. And may the good news that goes beyond belief of God's grace and love for you strike you into stunned silence today and every day. Amen. Go in peace.